0: The word uh, "love" is a very powerful, powerful word, and is the word that is most confusing in our English language. Nobody really knows how to express what really love is in the uh, English language. In fact, I was looking in the dictionary uh, the definition of love, and one of the definitions that they have in terms of what love is, is somebody's sexual attraction to another person. Crazy. Yet, this is in the American Heritage Dictionary and in Webster's, uh, indicating to us, at at least to me, that we are in trouble. We're in bad shape. No wonder... uh, we have so many divorces and so many broken-up relationships and pain and strife and all that stuff. And uh, I spoke to my wife about that, and we began to study this, and it's amazing. And then when you take into consideration that my father didn't go to school to get a psychological uh, uh, evaluation or, 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 or course to teach me the five love languages, so he couldn't teach it to me. So when I came up, I didn't know him. I wasn't able to teach my son that. So it keeps producing itself. So thank God that we can come to now and learn. Communicating love, the five love languages. Next. Praise God. Next. Okay. What is love? That's the first question. Now, to, for me to do justice to this, this is what I want to do from uh, the book. I want to read uh, exactly what it says about what love is. Now, listen closely. Keeping the love tank full, okay? Love is the most important word in the English language and the most confusing. Both secular and religious thinkers agree that love plays a central role in life. Thousands of books... Songs, magazines, and movies are prepared with the word love. Numerous philosophical and theological systems have made a prominent place for love. Psychologists have concluded that the need to feel loved is a primary human emotional need for every single one of us. For love, we will climb mountains, cross the seas, traverse deserts, sands, and endure untold hardships. Without love, mountains become unclimbable, seas uncrossable, deserts unbearable, and hardships are a lot in life. If we can agree that the word love permeates human society both historically and in the present, we must all agree that it is a most confusing word. We use it in a thousand ways. We say, I love hot dogs, for example. And in the next breath, I love my mother with the same word. I love hot dogs and I love my mother. We speak of loving activities like swimming, skiing, hunting. We love objects, food, cars, houses. We love animals, dogs, cats, even pet snails. We love. We love nature, trees, and all that stuff. We use the word love in so many different applications and in so many wrong different applications we take it out of context we really don't understand it in the secular and we'll find out that even in the religious community love is difficult to understand what is love do we really know what love is in the second paragraph this is what the book also says the purpose of what we want to do according to the book is this it's not to eliminate all confusion around surrounding that word love, but to help us focus on the kind of love that is essential to our emotional health, yours and mine. Child psychologist affirms that every child has certain basic emotional needs. That means every one of us, because we were all children at one time, that must be met in he, in his, uh, in his development. He is to be uh, emotionally stable if he is loved and, and, and receives affection. If that doesn't happen, what happens is that we produce a child that has problems, that has a, a vacuum, that has a love tank that is completely empty. And what happens with that is that that child becomes an adult. And you have an adult walking around with a completely empty love tank like you saw in the skit. In the skit, you saw people come with a lot of different types of expression in terms of love, but they didn't know and didn't understand and hadn't found out what kind of love language the person that needed love with the empty love tank needed. So if that's the case, we miss our placement of love, our expression of love. It's a very difficult thing. Now, if we learn how to do it the right way and understand the five love languages then we could apply our love and we will hit the bullseye amen amen now this particular portion love what is love this is first corinthians the 13th chapter love is long suffering you know something love can be faked how many how many of you ever experienced fake love how many of you experience real love (laughs) what's the difference Real love has real devotion. Real love has an enthusiasm behind it. You see, I can fake somehow love and and say I love you. And, you know, how many of us went through that with our ex-boyfriends and girlfriends? But enthusiasm and devotion and that type of consistency that, that devotion and enthusiasm brings is very hard to fake. Amen? So here in the Scriptures we have... What is love? And something happened. What is love? Love is long-suffering. Love is kindness. We've read that in Scripture. You have to be kind in terms of loving or expressing your love. Love has to be gentle, patient, and compassionate. It has to be affectionate. Uh, If there's no affection uh, with your love expression to your wife, then there's something off. Uh, If there's no affection to to your children, then there's an imbalance as well. Uh, Now we enter into understanding. A lot of us don't understand love or understand our mate's love language or those that work with us or those that are part of our congregations. And if we don't understand this, uh, we're going to miss, okay? And real love brings you freedom. Now, on the right side, you will see that love is not envy. It doesn't show off. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's humble. It doesn't provoke And it doesn't think evil of others. In other words, the opposite of what love is, is on the right side. Now, I want to read this portion of Scripture so that we can come to and really enter into what God has for us. And it's found in uh, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter the 13th. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the word. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understanding, and all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If you have all this power, and all this charisma, and all this You don't say qua and you move and you know what to say and you know what to do. And you've read 500 books, but you don't have love. The Bible says that you are zero. You are nothing. I want to repeat that again because a lot of us don't understand this and miss it. Okay. When God showed up with all of his deity, with all his might to Moses, because Moses was banging on the door. I want to see you. God says, nobody sees me and stays alive. I don't want you to die. But I'll, I'll, I'll satisfy you. he hit him in the cleft of the rock. And the Bible says that when he passed, Moses was able to see the back of God. But the first thing that God said was, I am love. If God said, I am love, and God is the creator, and God holds everything in place by the power of his word of faith, and he says that he is love, then I better look into that. -hmm. I better look into that. So it is important. And then he says this. We can do all this other stuff, but if we have no love, we are zero. What is love? We know somewhat what it is at this juncture. As we demonstrate what love is, let's take it from this perspective. A relational type of love that we've all been through when we first start courting. There's a romantic obsession. There's a romantic level to an expression of love at the beginning, okay? As you can read, studies show that the lifespan of this particular romantic obsession, which is when we meet a girl that we're after, that we're courting, or a young lady meets a guy, you know, we want to show everything that's good. We want to show all 50 love languages that we have, (laughs) even though we make them up. That's when we wait for her in the park bench, even though it's two degrees and she can be two hours late, but it's okay because we have long suffering that we don't know anything about yet, but it's a romantic obsession and we are after, we are, especially guys, we're hunters. We're like a Flint, I'm after this. And the young ladies, of course, you want to, you want to make a grand entrance so that he can really see you when you show up, and and you know this happens, and you know nobody can do anything wrong, and everything is right, and everything is so correct, and it's amazing because we see people like that, and they have uh, this kind of euphoric, uh, romantic obsession, uh, and and you know they show up, and we see them now, and they come to us, and everything is fine, and we say Yeshua, sure everything is fine. Yes, everything is fine. He understands me. He buys me flowers. You know, he does this and he does that. And, and it's amazing because all of them start the same and somehow finish the same. They start the same and somehow finish the same throughout history. Isn't that amazing? So this romantic obsession, as the studies show, Okay? They, they, they last for about two years. And then reality hits you. Unless you're married to an eagle. If you're married to an eagle, it hits you as soon as you come back from the honeymoon. <laughs> no, but, but it, listen. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good because, it's all good because I'm an eye. I'm just, I'm just refreshing. If if I'm an eye and she doesn't do what she does, then I'll be in a honeymoon for five years. <laughs> Bless God, he's good. So check it out. After all this euphoric, you know, after like two years, you know. And, and by the way, this is the first stage. You know that right after that is the, tan tan tarang, the marriage. Okay. Those little traits begin to knock on the door. When we were in love, now becomes a huge mountain. The romantic obsession ends. The courtship kind of like ends. He kind of like, he don't look the same. Because, you know, he, he got here late. He he forgot to buy flowers. And, and the smile on the lady begins to fade. But that's, you know, that hits you when you get to the second part, right after marriage. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, the day you get married, everybody's like, mm, happy, happy, you know. Some guys, they just want to go and consummate, you know, and, and just, you know. Reality, uh, you know, and then when they come back from from the wedding uh, uh, honeymoon, you, you you know you kind of like see something different. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's like a tightness because the euphoric is is, is gone out the window, and those little quirks, the realization of quirks begin to like surface. The Klingons become alive and they cling on you, okay? And then those Klingons, those quirks, they begin to magnify. Because from the romantic to the reality, boom, I have this guy or this lady, and I know nothing about the love language. I don't know nothing about her real personality. Because in the beginning, we were faking it till we made it, we were throwing from the hip. We were extending ourselves, but it wasn't real. Over here, boom, reality begins to hit you when you have to cook. <laughs> when you have to pick up and you find out that the guy leaves a trail of his stuff all over the place. <laughs> then when he comes home from work, she says, throw the garbage. And he's wondering, why, 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 why is she screaming like that? You know, that? <laughs> and, and then everything is massive confusion. Okay? And this begins to just fester uh, the relationship. Okay? And, and, and the quirks begin to bother each other. Big time. I'm pretty sure the job he's talking to his friends, she's talking to her girlfriends. And if she's got a lot of girlfriends that got divorced, forget about it. If he does have guys that are like, Divorce as well, so he's going to get wrong information. And all that begins to become a mess, a mess. And, and, and the devil is just, ha, I'm getting ready to move in on them, you know. And if we don't address that in the house, if we don't come to and say, wow, I need help. I better go back to the beginning and check this stuff out. If we don't get the understanding of what love really is in Scripture, because God is love. And he gave us two great commandments that we'll talk about later. But if we don't understand that, then we begin to get bothered. And we start focusing in on the quirks instead of on the relationship. So instead of going upward and positive and, you know, trying to do something to salvage this or fix this, the common mind wants to take that body and run. I want to start again. Oh, you know, this is it, you know. Basically, the bottom line is that you want a separation. Somehow you want to leave that because the euphoric left. So what needs to happen is you need to really get a reality check at this time. At this time, you need to come to and decide what you're going to do. Are you going to deal with this, or are you going to run? When the prodigal son came to, that's what he did. He decided, I will get up and go back to my father's. He began to think a little more positive after he went through the ground and just ate dirt and hung out with the swine. And a lot of times in relationships, that's what happens. But we need to learn how to come to, and instead of looking down, Look upward because our salvation comes from on high. See, we don't know where to look. And that's why we're here. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that we would get a spirit of illumination, that we would catch this. So we're learning about it. We are learning of it. But we're going to pray that we catch this. Okay. Next. Next slide. (laughs) Now, here is the question. This is where you're at when you... Your euphoric is gone and the quirks are killing you and you don't know what to do and you bought this new furniture and you got like three years to pay all this furniture and you don't know what's going to happen. It's reality. Now on top of the ma- massive confusion, the bill, it adds. It adds. And the wedding and the whole nine. So when you see your family, you're smiling. But when you go home, you're like ready to kill each other. That's reality. You could be in the same house 10 years and be divorced and just feel like two shits passing in the morning. See you. Hello. See you. Hello. And that's it. That's reality. Sometimes we fake it. You can't hang on to a marriage willfully. Either God is in it or sooner or later it'll break. Because you're hanging on to it willfully, it's still a broken up marriage. Be real. Just because you live with a person and stay in the same place, that doesn't mean that you're married. That doesn't mean that you're one. The Bible says cleave. And what that means is that we are in agreement. The woman is in submission to the man of the house, but the man of the house honors her. And therefore, she respects him. And we translate that as love and that's being one. And how can two walk if they're not in agreement, if they don't have understanding, if they don't know each other's love language? It can't happen. Praise God. So you get to this place, the question, the big question, how can uh, the wife basically begins, you know, how can we speak to each other our love language when we are full of hurt, full of anger and resentment? over past failures because the euphoric feeling is gone. He's late. He's hanging out with the fellas and she's angry and he's angry and anger begins to fester and there's resentment about all these past hurts and a hurt if it's not healed it becomes a a bondage. It binds you and eventually if you don't take care of that it becomes anger and sometimes we try to heal that with lies or half-truths. Let me tell you something. It is only the truth that sets you free. If you're going to minister to somebody spiritually with the anointing of God, you must bring out the truth. You must learn the love language and how to apply it. But it is only the truth that sets you free. A lot of people don't want to hear that because the truth hurts sometimes. But it is only the truth that will set you free. Praise God. So this is the question. How can we do that? You want me to tell you how you can do that? Because I know that's our question. We're going through stuff right now. How do I begin? How do I turn this? How do I, you know, what do I do? What's the love language? This is how you begin. If you really want to do it right for God, you need to make a choice. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice that you do in life. If you're in, bad, in a bad place, bad choices, wrong choices. You didn't think, and you made that choice. You get into a better place is because you made a better choice. You thought about it. You prayed about it. God showed you because God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, and he'll guide you. Okay? So love is a choice. Love does not erase past, the past. The past hurts, but it makes the future a little different. So you need to approach each other. You know, listen, we blew it somewhat. We hurt each other. You know, but listen, I, I'm thinking about a positive move here. You know, I, I'm choosing to, to forgive you. Please forgive me for my mistakes and what I've done. And let's both choose to learn each other's love language, what we like, what disses us, so that we can work this out. God's not going to send an angel. It's not going to be magic. You're not going to have a dream or any of that stuff, but you have to become like the prodigal son. He came to. He came to and he made a decision and he submitted to what God said. I'll get up and I'll go. See, we got to get up and we got to go and we got to go to where the truth is. When we choose active expression in love In the primary love, language, PF, computer failure, our spouse... We create an emotional climate where we can deal with our past conflicts and failures. So when we come to that type of agreement, when we come to that type of communication, when we go to the mercy seat, like I said before, and she's here, and you're here, and you're both like that caravan on that mercy seat, and because God gives you both mercy, then you can both cohabitate because now you know each other's personality, and now you're starting to learn each other's love language, okay? And all the love languages are in Scripture. Get ready, because here they come.
1: (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God to the personalities, right? You know, as an eagle, did you remember what the fear of an eagle is? Anybody? Ah, ah. Criticism, right? Right. And that PF right there was a shout-out from the man. (laughs) But God, right? God, if I don't stand in God's spirit, I would feel a sense of fear, right? But fear is not of God. So you know what? My bad. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now we're going to speak about how love works in the heart. Okay? We call it the love tank. And my illustrations are going to be really quickly because you have an idea, but I want to be able to bring back what Lewis also said, that it is important because in research we have studied and that, that children who are not loved do have a different way in which they grow up with a big lack. So the study says when a child really feels loved, he will develop normally. But when the love tank is empty, the child will misbehave, and we wonder why we have some problems sometimes with our children. Much of the misbehavior of children is motivated by the craving of an empty love tank. So then let's go see what it may look like. This is a tank. But imagine the tank being your heart, which is where everything is filtered through. What level, the question here is second question, what level is the measure of your love Of love in your love tank. Is your love tank full? Is your love tank almost full? Almost empty? Or empty? Next slide. If your love tank is full, almost full, you will feel involved. You will feel confident. You will feel satisfied. You will be content. And you will look happy. You will look happy. You look happy, right? If your love tank is almost empty, you will, lo- you're lo- you're, you will be low self esteem. You will be suspicious. You'll be suspicious of why everybody else is getting love and you're not, or, or feeling happy and you're not. You get jealous. You get anxious. There's this uncomfortable feeling that sets in your heart. And sometimes you don't even know consciously that this is why you're feeling anxious all the time. Is that you're almost empty. And you feel tired and perplexed. You're always tired. You're not in the mood to be around people. Because you're, you're afraid that when you get to that place, somebody's going to take some of what's left over in that tank away from you. Because how many of you know that the tank gets full, but the the tank also gets empty? Because every time that we're doing something for people, the tank is getting empty. We're touching, we're tapping into that love tank. The energy, the cooking, the cleaning the house for the ladies in some cases, or even the men, because I know some fathers who are cleaning and taking care of their children. Their their, their love tank is getting empty. Where do you get to to get filled up again? And if you're not getting it from the people in your life that you love, who do you get it from? Next line. What happens when it's empty? Completely, completely empty. You're in pain. You're disappointed. You're tired. You're moving like a machine. But there's no, you know, there's no happiness. And even if you're doing great stuff, you could be celebrating children's birthday. You could be being celebrated. But you're so empty that you feel sad, resentful almost waiting for something bad to happen all the time, scared, horrified. Many of us are here. And we come to church, and we have a big smile on our face. We're trying to hide this, you know, because if, you know, if they knew the truth, I, I, they, they would not think I'm, I'm anointed. If they knew the truth, they wouldn't allow me to work in their life. Because maybe, just maybe, if I get to minister to my brother or my sister, maybe I'll get my love tank filled. Just, just maybe. But if nobody's speaking my love language, the same thing that happened to the person up here, that the heart had a hole on the bottom, Everything you pour in, unless you're pouring it in my language, it's going to go right through. It's not going to stick. And when I go home, I'm still empty. I'm still empty. And I want to thank personally Calvary for releasing me yesterday because I know there was a great event. I heard it was fantastic, and I praise God for the work that was going on here but I needed to get a filling on my love tank. So I needed not to work that day, not to provide access services, not to, not to give gifts, not to I needed my love tank to be filled. And there was only one person that could fill that tank But God. And that's where I was, in the face of God, church hopping, looking for God, looking for that garment holding on to the garment as best as possible because I needed a fill. And sometimes we miss out that we need a fill. So people are concerned about where is she? Why didn't she come? Oh, she's not backing us up. Okay? No, it's not that. Be praying for you that you get your fill, but I needed to get mine. And it it only comes for me once in a while. It doesn't come all the time. Next, when it's full, and I'm full today, I'm full, so tap into this full love tank because I can't promise you that tomorrow I'm gonna be feeling the same, but I'm gonna tell you it's full today. I'm happy, I didn't get two or three hours sleep, but I'm happy, I am feeling blissful, I am ecstatic. I am hysteric in <laughs> hysteria. I'm sympathetic because when my love tank is full, I'm sensitive to you. I'm sensitive to what you're feeling. I, I I'm love struck. I'm optimistic. I'm all of those positive things that you need when you need a feeling. So tap into this love tank today. It's full. <laughs> Praise be to God, it is full. For <laughs> this reason, we're taking this season to talk about love and love languages. And I wanna be able to 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 encourage you to do this study with us. Not only when you come here on Sunday, I'm challenging you to go out during the course of the week, look at people, try to guess their personalities by the way they speak, by by the fears that that they may demonstrate, by the things that they do for you. Try to find out what their personalities are. And then try to figure out their love language because it's not that hard to figure out. People usually give you the language that they need. If you have a brother or sister who are constantly encouraging you and giving you words of affirmation and filling your love tank in that area, the sure thing is that that's the way they get full. If you have a sister who's always doing service for you, doing something, looking for an opportunity to, to do a works for you, helping you clean, helping you decide on what clothes to wear, whatever, that's the love language. Of service, the act of service. If you have a person who is always giving you gifts, it's not that they're materialistic. Sometimes we think that it's they're materialistic. That's their love language. They put quality to that to that thing. They, they give a life to that thing. It don't matter. The thing don't matter. It's what they put to the thing, what they attach to the thing. And this whole next couple of weeks, you're going to see the details of each of these love languages. If they're always touchy, I had issues with that. Just have issues with that. You know, I, 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 have, I have this invisible um, 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 barrier where, you know, As long as you stay outside of this little, you know, maybe two feet, you know, then then we okay. We could we could touch. But once you come into my space, I feel claustrophobic. I feel like you're tightening me in. I I I don't know what to do. I get anxiety. I feel good. You know, But he needs it. But I, I, I feel like, yo, <laughs> there's no room to breathe. He can tell you. When he gets close, I go like. <laughs> <laughs> and quality time. Leave it there. And quality time, when you have somebody who is constantly trying to meet up with you. Why? Why are we getting together? They're always talking about, why are we getting together? Why why don't we have dinner? Why don't we do something? That's a person who has value for quality time. And sometimes we're just too busy even to do that. But quality time, you're going to notice, has another element to it. The very important element to it. And it's being present. So so you don't have to take out like a whole day for me because quality time is one of my love languages. You don't have to take out a whole day. You don't even have to take out a whole half a day or not even an hour. Just be present. Be present when I'm talking to you. Be present when I'm here. Be present. But you're going to see that during the course of the week, so I really challenge you to come back. Keeping it real. Um, I had um, I had um, a, a strong conversation with my ladies this um, this past week, um, the life group, because we've been talking about love and personalities and and empty tanks, and there was a key question that just kept on. in my my heart and in my mind, just going over and over and over and over, all week after I spoke to them. And that question was, what if there was anybody in the congregation that just didn't care? And I went, that can't be possible. We're in the kingdom of God. Well, how can no one care in a place of love? Well, you know, the Lord showed me that's true that people can sometimes don't care because of their own fears, because it might be too much work because what's happening right now is working anyway. Why you know rock the boat and and because you know to study this whole personality thing i ha I have a a, a dear friend of mine, very close person that I'm actually. Um, um, ministering to, and, and she's on fire for God, and, and every day we talk uh, about uh, scriptures, and she gets really, you know, um, 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 very sensitive to what God is doing in her life in this season. She's a new believer, and, and, and a very smart woman, and I have been talking to her about the personalities and talking about love, and the other day, it just, it caught me by surprise, but she turned around, she goes, would you stop talking that personality thing? I went, what? She says, look, I don't get it. It's too much for my head. And every time I'm talking to you, you're talking in lions and eagles and and bears and and monkeys. I don't know. (laughs) And I went, that is so interesting. But it's so sad. It is so sad that we now cannot talk this kind of conversation because you are not ready to understand it. And it's sad because what we're talking about is understanding God's people and understanding yourself. And if you don't understand your, or care enough to understand yourself, then when will you be ready? You see, the Bible tells us that we will perish for the lack of knowledge, right? My people will perish for the lack of knowledge. But the Bible also says that once you are given the information, you are held accountable. Amen. You know now that you know. Or you find out that you don't know. You're still responsible for finding out what you don't know. And I'm, God sometimes uses me to bring truth and correction. So, what if you don't care? Well, the Bible tells us why we should care. All in Scripture, and that's why I gave you handouts, all throughout scriptures, Roman 13, 8, um, th- 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, um, 1 John, 1 John 2, 7, 1 uh, John three eleven, First 1 John three twenty three, First 1 John four seven two. 7, 2. You know, you, you see it all, and this is only a little bit of what I gathered, and it all says basically the same. We are to love each other. We are to love each other. And how can you love me if you don't know me? How can you fill my tank if you don't even care enough to to know my language? And how do you care, how do you love me if you know my language and you don't care enough to even fill it anyway? Because that's Lewis's job. Louis' job is to fill me and Pastor's job is to fill me because these are my, the men in my life. No. We're accountable to one another. Every time I touch you, you're taking a little bit out of me. You should be able to give me something back. The next one. But if that's not enough for you, if scripture is not enough for you, why should you care? Maybe, maybe because of consequences. There is a consequence for not caring. That consequence could be an empty love tank, yours. It could be, it enables you to to reach your own purpose. When you are not full, you don't know what your purpose is in God. And if you didn't know, you don't know how to get there because remember, you're tired, you're tired. You're sad. You are so busy getting into your own pity party that there is no time to look beyond the party to where God is taking you. So, so, if, so if the scriptures are not enough for you to care, ma- maybe you should give consideration to the consequence. You know, one of the things that, that, that I was talking to Lewis about also is that I see couples, and it's really sad. Because we're not perfect with beyond perfect. But we're still holding on to each other's garment, you know? And, and, and if it wasn't by God, we, we probably wouldn't be here to share because the enemy does know what, we're, what God is going to use us for even sometimes before we get the revelation and as a result of that, he starts to, you know, um, mess, mess with the relationship. But we, we're learning to turn around and go, okay, things are not right over here. That means that something's right's about to happen and we're involved in it because if not, he wouldn't be messing with us. So I see couples who turn around and say, well, you know, um, I don't need to care about all of this. Um, I'm okay with my wife or my husband having a somewhat empty tank. But what you don't realize is that this brings sickness. And anxiety starts your heart to beat. And when you don't know that you're loved or not loved and don't know what you're going to come to when you come home, which is supposed to be where love abides, okay, you get sick physically. It starts to wear you out. So why are you, we going to wait until 20 years or 10 years or even 5 years of this beating of the heart, making each other sick, To then come to a realization under crisis. Because that's when we come to a realization. The prodigal son. When did he come to? When he was under crisis. When he didn't have food. When he didn't have any place to go, right? So when do we come to God? When we're under crisis. Meanwhile, our husband or our wives are saying, I need a little love. I need a little love. Dude, I need a little love. Yo, I'm, I'm running out of juice. I mean, your, your child is driving me crazy. I mean, I need to go to work. I mean, I need a little love. By the time you get over here, the person's already sick. And now, when they're in the hospital, we want to cry out to God. Now we want to say, Lord, please, I'll do anything. I'll fill her love tank. I'll fill his love tank. I will just do anything, anything, anything. Well, you know what? God will answer you then. But the damage is done. The damage is done. Your loved one is in the hospital with high blood pressure, heart attack. It's done. If that consequence is not enough to care now before it gets to that stage. I'm going to have to pray for you. I'm going to have to pray for you. Think about it. A full tank leads to a fulfillment heart and abundance joy. And walking into the purposes of God and loving one another. I often tell this story because it will always forever live in my heart about a little girl who came to um, one of our services. And, and she was invited with her father and her brother. And, and after the service, and, 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 and we were ministering to the family, we brought the family up, and, and we're asking how did God touched them throughout the afternoon, and, and the adult is... The father is explaining and the the oldest son is explaining. They, They get to the little girl. And the girl is like, she takes the microphone and she goes, God touched my heart. He kissed my heart. God kissed my heart. She was only eight. Remember, honey? Can you imagine how it would feel? God kissing your heart. I mean, physically kissing your heart. Because for an eight-year-old to say this, right, it means it's real. God kisses your heart. Don't you want him to kiss your heart? Sometimes he does. He's been kissing your heart, but you have not been paying attention. I challenge you this month to watch God kiss your heart. Catch him kissing your heart. And I'll tell you, you'll never be the same.